Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Hey, guys, why don't we eat? Dear Doc, God, the boss, I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes! 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 Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Mmm, forbidden donut. I can keep it up a little bit there, Jimmy. Hey. I'm new at this. He's got his L-plate some. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, can't get good stuff. It's hard. <laughs> no, I'm supposed to say help. I think Tim, a very, very good morning. We've got Tim Thorpe in the studio here. My name's Cam Smith. It is the afternoon here at 3 Triple RFM. The red light is flashing. We've got a green, we've got a white, which means we, uh, we go analogue and digital. We go both ways, you know that? We do, the old digital. Yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I tell you. Uh, big thanks to the scientists. And uh, Dr. Shane is debriefing as we speak, making a very good point there. He's pointing away. That's what's happening in Hand Studio on, One. Hand on the chin. Hand on the chin, yes. Mm, yes, another thing. <laughs> big words, so I can. We can feel them, and uh, we're here in Studio 2, and uh, um, we're about to have the uh, the pleasure of the company of a few people. It's, it's something I'm really, really looking forward to, and something that we just haven't been able to do. Uh, Shane, of course, he's been doing that for ages, getting lots of people in the studio, but uh, I've got some big names today, um, some... Good human beings too. Big names, hard hitters, great humans. Oh, they're Michael Harden. I'm not quite sure about him. A hardened hitter. Yes, a hardened hitter. Uh, so let's start with that. Uh, Michael Harden, um, who I sort of feel was a, a little bit like, in a way, like the Queen. In the fact that uh, being one of the great restaurant reviewers, I'm sure he's... Smelt fresh paint everywhere he goes. <laughs> people just make things nice for him. Um, he's not quite in the building yet. Uh, Gerald Diffie, who is one of the great patrons, who has his eponymous bar with real golden leaf in the doorway. Um, Gerald's bar is a, is a magnificently curated space. And also a, uh, a just a, a destination for a personification of hospitality. And uh, we could ask him to divulge some secrets. He might not do it. But he's also written a great book, uh, which we've been... Uh, I've been wanting to catch up with him for a while. You were admiring this, saying, what a beautiful tome. It, it's, it looks like 
something from a long time ago. Doesn't something it? precious, like a first edition to be worth a fortune. Yeah, beggars belief. Stories from Gerald's Bar. It's, it's around. It's, um, and we'll talk to him about that. And uh, the one ring to bind us all. <laughs> Sorry, laughing at my own judge. Uh, Andrew McConnell. Um, he of the McConnell Group. Um, and we need to give him our congratulations as to uh, the great achievement of having his restaurant Gimlet appear in the, I think they're Sand Pill Awards still. We'll have to ask him about that. Anyway, the top 100, um, he has been recognised. And who would have thought? Well, maybe Andrew did when he first found the site in Russell Street. Uh, the Druids Lane, this beautiful building, which he uh, has transformed into what I think is the best dining room or luncheon room in uh, all of Melbourne. Here we go. I'm just turning my microphone to you. I was being very rude then. No, 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 no. You were doing that thing that uh, great announcers do. Is that you were? It's like an aside in a stage play where you were talking to the audience as right. if as if I'm not here, and then you suddenly turn to me and involve me. This is Tim. Hi. Yeah. How you doing? Um, and I'd love to um, include you in this conversation because we're part of it. And the the very, very fact that uh, even though Radiothon has been, uh, has come, has gone, uh, it's still a part of us. And there is still many, many opportunities, folks, that if you would like to support this worthy endeavour, this experiment in community, which has been going for a while now. Over 40 years. Years to keep it going. Yes. Yes, we've got to get more kerosene <laughs> for, the, for the generators. Yeah. Um, uh, we would love to, uh, to have your support because, um, well, we'll be honest with you. Things have been tough. Yeah. And um, compassion ain't what it used to be. No. Am I right with those two no, statements? Everyone's too worried about the future. Even those people with a bit of cash are worried about the future. Yeah. No no sponsor from Gina Reinhardt this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're a bit disappointed in that, but uh, probably have to be careful with the, what, I, what I say here as to how successful... Uh, Radiothon was this year, but um, it's it's slow and steady. I would say, let's to, to put it politely. <laughs> Thank you, Minister. Uh, we, we, uh, we've halved our audience, just like the ABC. Oh, we haven't done that. No, I, no, we no, haven't. No. Actually, there was a survey recently, and I can't mm-hmm. give out the figures because I don't know them exactly. The show we have a, a mammoth audience, a, a rather large audience, a small fraction of whom subscribe and yeah, carry right. the load for the ones who don't. Wow. Yeah. Carry the water. Hmm? Yeah. And in this case, the single malted whiskey. I just like to think of that. Uh, look, we're going to have um, a lot of fun with uh, discussion group. Waiting for Hard Case Harden to uh, darken our doors, who's uh, another one of our guests. But we've certainly got Gerald and we've also got Andrew McConnell. So we will be able to start off with some lively discussion. But. Let's go to one of the great stars of this show. His name's John. He's down at the markets. And we were looking up at the rafters at the beginning of this. And it goes something like this. 
There's always sparrows. It's springtime, mate. Well. They're out having oh, fun. Oh, yeah, they're doing the nesting yeah, thing sort of stuff they're there. They're in um, the top of the gable of the roof. They're finding a little crevice where they can stick little bits of string and straw and whatever they can find to make their nests so they can make their happy families. Into the... Uh, is that... Are these new roofs? I forget. Not here. This this one's about 30, 30 years old and it still looks brand new, but they're going uh, to replace it and they're going to... Um, Put in insulation, I believe. Oh, insulation, but no walls. No walls. Oh, well, I suppose it'll stop the sun from doing yes. this stuff. Yes, yes. All right, and they are doing that here. Uh, sorry, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? I'm very good. We've just had a second coffee and you're having your first. I'm having my first yes, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. I've just wandered through the market and someone's thrown the switch. The switch of spring, and I'm seeing Kensington, Pride, mangoes from Norman Territory. I haven't had time to have one, but I'm dying to go and buy one mm. today, or two. The um, the price isn't too crazy. Um, down the side there, four bucks. Yes, yes, that's what I saw. And I checked to make sure they're KPs, because you know what you and I think about others. And the sign says KP. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to have to do it. And, and I'm seeing stone fruit. Although you'd be Bit crazy early. to buy, yeah, you'd be Yeah, nuts. Joey saw some down the market and he said they're as green as, um, you know, you, you can bounce it off the ground. That's how green they are. You can play down ball. <laughs> Remember down ball at uh, yeah. high school? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do that, that with that. So, yes, um, uh, peaches and nectarines and stone fruit, um, you shouldn't be an early adopter when it comes to that, you know. Maybe with some technology, if you can afford it. But uh, for those, uh, maybe maybe not. It's um, It really is looking like spring. It is, and it's lovely. The air is um, a little bit crisper in the morning, but beautiful midday and mid-afternoon. Mm. Um, Wednesdays, we get home a little bit earlier, so we go past Mum's and we sit in the backyard in a beautiful sun. A bit more sunshine. And I actually said, Mum, this is getting too hot. I'm not used to it anymore. Let's go inside. But we stuck it out and we had a coffee outside and it's beautiful. Yeah. So every other day, uh, yeah, sometimes we get to sit in the sun and sometimes get a little bit later, but it's still beautiful. Yeah, and how is she anyway? I haven't seen her for a while. Yeah, she's very good considering uh, she's had a knee replacement and then fell on her rear end and got a um, compression uh, in a vertebrae. So she's walking normal again. Yeah, oh, good to hear. And... Uh, and still cooking like uh, like a crazy thing? Oh, definitely. Monday we made a cook. Cousins came down from um, Echuca and we called all the other cousins because we had to meet the latest addition to the family. She's already nearly nine months old. Oh, wow. Yes, beautiful Matilda. So Congratulations. Um, and a lovely name. So, yeah, so the family keeps growing um, because it's a good life. Matilda. Yes. Wow, that's a, that's a lovely thing. <clears throat> all right, well, maybe what we should do, uh, first of all, is uh, look around. Uh, we're seeing the last of uh, winter's tomatoes, if that's not an oxymoron, and it's uh, because we have the technology and, the, and because we have the geography of this country, we're able to say that, aren't we? Yes, definitely. Uh, the tomatoes that we've had through winter are all coming out of the um, uh, glass houses in South Australia, and 
some over Geelong way as well. And we were very, very lucky. Uh, one of the growers hit the right seed and sent us some beautiful tomatoes. Uh, they were nice and crunchy, robust red colour, beautiful flavour. Um, talking about my mother again, the neighbours keep going around and saying why they're buying wishy-washy tomatoes and walk away with two or three tomatoes from mm. a fruit pile. Yeah, um, yeah so now and we'll, we'll um, have a few more until... Um, say Christmas and then we'll start again with the local Doncaster field tomatoes. Oh, so Doncaster aren't happening at the moment? No, not at the moment. I think okay. he's um, probably already planted his first planting because yeah. he'll do four plantings over the season. So he'll stagger the fruit right through till nearly July. I'm, I'm giving John a little bit of a, a look askance, I suppose you'd say, but in the past there has been Doncaster tomatoes that have grown... Outside during the winter, am I correct up, in up saying? Up to July, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Up okay. to July. Too cold, too wet. Yeah, and then they get frost, so the, the mm. plants would die if they were still there. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to convince him to put up the igloos that his son bought for him. He said, no, I want to do it traditional style because mm. they still till the soil um, and plant by hand and um, look after the weeds and that by hand rather than spray. Fertilise with chicken manure and things like that rather than... That's why um, they taste so good. Yeah, definitely. They're, yeah. they're like like uh, grandma's tomatoes. And it's amazing that uh, Doncaster, just the, the idea of tomatoes growing in Doncaster in winter is, is weird enough. But with um, real estate prices and things, it's amazing they've been able to hang on and not have to sell out. Well, one, one's on the outskirts of Doncaster and our main grower, he's in um, uh, Lilydale, oh, not Lilydale, anyway, Coldstream. Yeah. Coldstream. Oh, wow. Um, because before they were on Border Works land. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then Coldstream gets very, very cold. Uh, they get minus two degrees. When they did last year, he got one degree, so he's on a hillside that's protected. Yeah. Um, so, and also he looks after the tomatoes really well, so we get a good crop out of them. Okay. Um, what have you been eating from the from the market in the last? Because well, we missed you with Radiothon. Yeah. If you um, turn around, I'll show you what I've been eating. Because, oh. Um, okay. I, I was doubting you, and I'm going to make fun of you that the sun hadn't come out, so I'd bring some sunshine. Because yeah. we've got some rainbow chard. Now, yes. what it is is silver beet um, that's got red stems, yellow stems, uh, white stems, pink stems, mm. um, the colour of the rainbow. So it's so pretty. It's it so pretty. vibrant, aren't they? Especially it, the yellow ones are amazing. It, it still tastes like silver, but with mm. these, we, we normally boil it, but what I saw one of the chefs did, he chopped up the stems yeah. and uh, sautéed them, and then he threw in the top bits and sweated that down rather than boil it. It's it. That's sort of Chinese style, isn't it? Well, yeah, nearly. Yeah, um, yeah. And it worked really, really well, rather than boil it, because um, that way you keep all the nutrients as well, because a lot of people boil the daylights out of it, throw the water away. My PE teacher used to say, if you boil cabbage, throw the cabbage away, boil your rice in the water, that way you've got all your nutrients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mem- so, remember remember <laughs> that well. And plus, it's going to fix the colour really beautifully too. Yeah, and, and it keeps the colours um, when you do that. But even when you boil it, it keeps the colours. Mm. We keep it very simple. Um, if, if we do boil it, we put a little bit of olive oil and maybe a dash of vinegar and and that on it. And if you're sautéing it, probably just the same. You know, keep it very simple. 
A little bit of garlic? Yeah, a little bit of garlic yeah. if you're sautéing, especially yeah. because that'll come through. Mm. And then we still got these beautiful asparagus from uh, Mildura. Whoa! Now, the, this bunch is the tips. Um, what that means is that it's been very, very windy, so the asparagus bend over a little bit. And when they go and touch them, they snap. Rather than get a long asparagus, they get a little bit. Yeah. And we've got really long ones as well. We had some thicker than my thumb. We sold those already. They ran away. Mm. Some people I've had to convince to buy them, and then they come back and ask for them again. I keep saying to them, once you've had a thick asparagus, you will never eat a thin one again. And it's quite true. Agreed. Okay. That's good. 100%. Um, so, again, I'm going to take my life into my own hands and ask for an omelette. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to reinforce the request again tonight. And that... this is where these thick things of asparagus have to be cut in half, don't they? Because they yeah. will be too thick for the yeah. omelette. We, we cut them in the middle mm. and then the bottom bit down uh, lengthways again. Mm. Uh, and you can even chop them up into smaller bits if you want to. Uh, you fry your uh, asparagus until they're nearly golden brown and then whip your eggs with plenty of parsley and garlic and put that through. Bit of parmesan? Yeah, a bit of parmesan, but yeah. don't overcook. You're, I don't know, pecorino for you. Uh, whatever, it's yeah. all good, it's all good. Um, yeah, so, but... It, but it, you, you're in a really good mood today. I am, actually. <laughs> I've like, got wow. a little bit more sleep. <laughs> OK. Um, but again, they're lovely, even just brushed with oil and shoved in the oven. We've had that twice this week, we got spoiled. Mm. Now we're moving on to spring. I sprung. Hooray for broad beans. Hooray for broad beans. Oh, uh, my God. This is a beautiful broad bean. It is. Um, about 20 centimetres long. Uh, they're not overly full, but you wouldn't want them too full because then they'd be too hard. These yeah. would be lovely to break out and eat raw, as Joseph's been doing. Yes. Um, he's turning into a true Italian. He's turning like, <laughs> your, like your dad Joe used to do that too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He used yeah. to have like a thing of salt and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what they do. And a bit of fresh bread and you're in heaven. I like them steamed um, just with a little bit of olive oil and salt. Keep it simple. Mm. Uh, and also I brought you the ticket to show how our hand-harvested beans out of Queensland have changed. Ooh, $12 a kilo. Yeah, Stop yeah. the presses. Now, we were selling them uh, 35 $147 a kilo, yeah. <laughs> uh, but they were 45 up in Queensland where they came yeah. from. So, you know, this is um, a blessing because uh, things have dried wow. out a little bit. I was thinking that coming in, and I was thinking to myself, hmm, I think Australia is drying out again. And we're going to be okay for the foreseeable future, and you've confirmed it for me. Well, I hope. But, it, but, but uh, I'm sure there's places that are still wet. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're still going to get plenty of water, uh, from what I've been told. But with a bit of luck, you know, we'll deal with it as we always do, uh, and things will be okay. Um, there's been an abundance of things right through winter, so no one suffered. Yeah. Uh, no one can say that they couldn't find what they wanted to eat, because if you couldn't buy beans, you bought something else. Yeah. Plenty of Chinese vegetables out there that were beautiful. And I was, and living off, I was living off spinach yeah. as my salad thing. Yeah. All right, pick of the market, John. Pick of the market, like I said, green beans, yeah. handful of broad beans if you just want to give it a go. Yeah. Later on, they'll be, there's 16 at the moment, which is not there. Normally, we start about 25. Yeah. Um, later, they'll be a little bit cheaper. Uh, we had corned beef and cabbage fruit a week, which was glorious, oh, really? with a Savoy cabbage. Oh, yeah, yeah. Haven't had that for a while. Yeah, well, uh, Joseph was complaining because normally she makes a pilaf um, 
you know, rice dish with the um, cabbage water, but yes. she didn't do it and he's been complaining. So, yeah, <laughs> well, we'll get oh, there. Well, um, you know that Joe feels alive. Yeah, yeah, but he's spoiled and he still wants to be more spoiled. Yeah. And, and we've had some beautiful um, potatoes. I just had a New Zealand couple come past. They're staying in a, in a service department where they can cook. Um, she bought a bag of potatoes yesterday and come past this morning said, I'm sad I'm going home, I can't buy any more potatoes. They were beautiful. Mm-hmm. So we've got little um, little Desirees, we've got little Royal Blues and little white potatoes that you can bake, boil or fry. And yeah. we've got bigger ones as well that'll do the same. So we don't very talk very much about potatoes, um, but we always eat potatoes. So, yeah. you know, we take it for granted. Um, we've got an abundance of tomatoes as usual. Uh, so you can pick and choose whatever you like. Um, they've come back a little bit in price. We've got uh, six to twelve dollars a kilo, compared to you know when we were fifteen and more before. That's good. Love um, that. Cucumbers are coming back. Zucchini four five dollars a kilo. Collies cheaper, uh, and people have stopped eating collies. Don't ask me why. Uh, we're struggling to sell them. They're this eating week. the beans, mate. Probably, <laughs> probably, but you know, we still like to have a little bit of steamed or boiled cauliflower yes. um, just to break the colour on the plate. You name it, it's all out there, and even with the fruit, there's an abundance of fruit. There are four or five types of mandarins and oranges and apples, and you know, oranges have been great this year. Oh, yeah, last night we had our main dinner, and then the fennel salad came onto the table and Joey said, oh, we got a caracara in the fruit bowl. How good is that? Yeah, but he missed, he only got a navel and the navel went really well with the the, um, fennel. So, yeah, there's an amazing amount of things you can do just to change a dish. I've been doing um, caracara olive oil, a little bit of salt and uh, oregano. Yeah. It's really good. It is, isn't it? It's really, really good. All right, better get back to the studio because, uh, oh, we've got quite some guests today. So uh, I'm going to race back. You've had the privilege of being first cab off the rank, which normally you're in the middle. You probably don't know that because you don't get to hear it. I do sometimes. Sometimes. Great to see you. Thanks for the coffee. Back to the studio. Have a beautiful day, everyone. Thanks, Tim. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. We've got two, well, pretty much regulars and one who I've got to say it's a great pleasure that uh, he has come through the door because the door that he has in... uh, in beautiful North Carlton is one of the most uh, is an entrance to one of the most gloriously curated hospitable spaces in this fair town. We might start going from left to right. Gerald Diffie, a very very good afternoon to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. It's like I've got three of the uh, the wise monkeys, but we're not hearing, seeing. We're all doing evil, which is great. Andrew McConnell. G'day, mate. Hey, Cam. How are you? We got enough volume on there, Timmy? Yes, I think we do. Uh, first thing to do with, uh, with you, sir, is to just offer my heartfelt and sincere congratulations on 
On that place that you pointed out to me um, many, many months ago now, you were, I remember when you were telling me about the space. Uh, and, of course, we're talking about Gimlet, which has now been recognised worldwide as uh, a pretty good place to eat. Very good place to eat. Yeah, yeah. well, I thought I'd just leave him hanging there. <laughs> and I didn't hear Harden snort derisively because he's only just getting warmed up. But also a very good place to drink. Yes. And uh, one person that uh, is, uh, well, you know, no stranger to drinking at bars and, uh, and especially uh, Gimlet, because you were telling me about that uh, a while ago. Michael Harden, welcome back. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you so far this hour. You've compared me to the Queen yes. and a wise monkey. So I'm kind of like, I'm feeling like I'm ready to go. Thank you. I, I just thought for context for these guys here, uh, I was comparing Michael to the Queen in the fact that uh, because Michael holds the rarefied space of wanting to be known as Helicopter Harden, um, a person who... People go to extraordinary lengths to please and keep happy. Yeah, um, other, other than Gerald. Yes. Other, know, so, yeah. <laughs> Gerald, well, Gerald. Usually That's all real, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald usually throws you out by about 11 o'clock anyway. But uh, I was saying that, uh, and like the Queen, I'm sure Michael's used to spaces where they paint walls for him so that... He looks across at a clean and pristine restaurant. Oh, absolutely. Scattering rose petals and arse kissing. I'm loving it. Yes. So. Um, guys, thank you all for coming in. Have, um, have you had a good Sunday so far? Matt's had a very pleasant walk from just around the corner. Yes. <laughs> Andrew, what have you been doing? Prayer and contemplation? Not much prayer. Bit of basketball in the park. Bit yeah. Fun. Yep. Okay. Bit of a walk. Shooting some hoops. Some hoops. Yeah, how good are you at hoops? Sorry? How good are you at hoops? I'm terrible. Really? Oh, well, okay. There's room for improvement. So, you know, we we, we do make a, a start on that. And uh, and hard case Harden? How's your uh, Good. I had to go and pick up a birthday cake. And so I, um, for, I've got a family thing on today. And so I went to Babka with their classic chocolate cake. You know, cannot go wrong. Babka's so, still going. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. And it was sort of like the same kind of like I walked in, hadn't been in for a while. And same sort of smell, all the beautiful castling of bread and the pastries and the cakes. And yeah, it's good. It's good. Gerald, did you remember Bab- Babka would have been going when you first arrived in this fair town? Uh, I, I was already here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember when they opened and they caused such a stir because nothing was quite like that. No. And uh, they've maintained it. They've you know, what it must be over 20 years. More than, yeah, more than 20, 25 years it must be getting close to, I would say. Yeah, an, an incredible place. And uh, near uh, um, our very, very, very first studio, um, I'm going to um, bring up something just to throw throw a cat on the table, as Kenneth used to say, uh, because I need to, first of all, what do you think, folks? We've got to refer back to this beautiful tome. I know that uh, both you guys are um, uh, big fans of Gerald's first, um, I think, first book. Um, it's called Beggar's Belief. Uh, Tim nailed it by saying it looks like something that's very, very precious and... Um, comes from another era and uh, I, do. I do and, I do. and uh, <laughs> guilty as charged but the question is uh, just to get this whole thing started this this book is a, 
a, a miscellany, we could say, of um, of, of curated facts and and uh, and things from Gerald's bar. Soul, can you manufacture soul um, in a in a restaurant or a place? No, you have to find soul within yourself, and I think that's what that story was all about. Um, you know, you can't you can't build something that's the finished article you actually have to live through it mm. um and that's what i was trying to express but the book is 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 you know a collection of ideas you know travel <laughs> thoughts um <laughs> laugh out loud moments <laughs> like so so many of those um i'd really love for all of you to to maybe have that uh, just look at the, the idea of how do you get something indefinable as soul into a restaurant but there was just one thing i just thought i'd bring up before we go into that do you guys remember the line from gerald's book talking about how tough his school was yes yes i i I remember that story there was a lot of them that sort of like i just kind of feel like you know we really need to put him into rehab and you know sort of treat him gently with that kind of upbringing poor thing he he mentioned the fact that our school was so tough we even had our own ambulance, <laughs> which apparently got used every day. It certainly did, yeah. Wow, because uh, we're talking about apparently 2,000 boys um, in, a, in a school. Where was this, just out of curiosity? Uh, in um, Gillingham in southeast of England. So it was, um, yes. it was a sort of social experiment for a secondary modern to sort of close a load of schools and put them all on one campus. Right. And all you just got was different tribes meeting to... And wanting to kill each other. <laughs> annihilate each other. <laughs> and and in, in those days, they were pretty much, well, let them have a go. I mean, what, you know, what, what what's the worst thing that could have happened? Well, me. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, in, in all your beautiful manifestations. But um, here you are and you have this bar in Raftown Street, which is an extension of you and your own personality. Would we all agree with that, Andrew and, and Michael? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of one of the one of the things that has sort of kept it because it is a unique. It doesn't feel cookie cutter. It doesn't feel like you've seen it before, even though it has an air of familiarity from the moment. If you've never even been in there before, you feel like you have. Yes, yes. And um, and you were saying that you you can't manufacture it, and yet it's free. Yeah, Which I, I thought mean, was a, was a nice little line. When I when I first started writing the book, um, which was many many years ago, it, it sort of started that I wanted to sort of tell the story of all the paraphernalia that's in the bar, mm. um, and and tell the story of why we do things the way we do them. Because, and and that's all come from somewhere. That's all come from experience, from travel, from collecting things and observances and long held beliefs and long held beliefs. And, yeah, and. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, and so I've worked in hundreds of jobs doing different things, and I just sort of grabbed bits of experiences from all of those things. And I thought that by writing about it, it might sort of demystify, you know, why we've got, you know, enamel teapots hanging around and, you know, Sandinista posters on the walls. And and they've all got a story, so yeah. that's where it came. But when you start to write, you end up going down a rabbit hole of of deeper stories of childhood and memory. It's a lot about memory, especially food memory. Yeah. Because that brings up, you know. Well, what's what you apparently want, if one of your first food memories is uh, custard mixed with blood. 
Yes. From uh, from when um, someone screamed and threw a teapot or something which hit you in the face. No, it was a girl next door. Girl we, next door. She was five-year-old dinner uh, party for five-year-old yeah. birthday party and she had a plate of custard which she um, we thought would make a great custard pie in my face but uh, she threw the threw it with the uh, with the custard came uh, the china and, plate and the plate behind it for the extra yeah. weight <laughs> so i ended up with a blood nose and um, kind of dazed and uh, and, and I can still remember how, you know, cold custard and warm blood is delicious. <laughs> Sweet and salty. <laughs> so it does work. I mean, this is one of the things I have to explain to people who go... Why would you have anything salty and sweet together? And you, anyway, you, you go with that. Andrew McConnell, Gimlet Restaurant. Possibly the finest dining room uh, in all of Melbourne. Um, from its look and, and things like that. Again, congratulations on the recognition. Um, Thanks, you were in London to receive the... Uh, to, to go to the ceremony for... Is it still San Pell? Uh, or is no, it just top 100? Just yes. top, top 50 best. 50 now. best. Yeah. Oh, 50 best. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, that was, that was great recognition, actually, after um, opening but what was... Meant to be at the start of COVID, so you know, opening a restaurant's hard enough, but doing it six times in the last two years was challenging. And you know, it was character yeah. building. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think uh, you know, you said it's you know a great dining room, but it was always a pretty amazing room. I remember going there twenty years ago when it was a furniture showroom. DDC were there and walking in and thinking, "Whoa, how do I ever afford this shit?" Yeah, well, that <laughs> so it was one part. Yes, I was more enamoured with the room than yes. the furniture on the floor, and. Um, even back then, I remember thinking this would be a great place to party. Yeah, right. And 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 what is it about that room that you saw? What 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 indefinable thing was it? I think there was the the, the dimensions of the room being a large square large footprint. Large square. Yes. Uh, great ceiling, inherent you know original uh, features yes. in the ceiling. Great original windows, and where it's elevated on the street on that corner. Yes. And it's one of those things where. I wasn't looking for another restaurant. I've got one or two of those. I've yes, got enough headaches in my life. But sometimes yeah. some things happen. Mm. And uh, my partner and I, we were taken, Joe, we were taken into the room and we both thought, well, there should be a bar in the middle of this room and lots of people having fun around it. And it started from this, I suppose, introduction, this conversation, um, and it's evolved from there. And it was one of those... Um, experiences or opportunities where it just unfolded quite organically um, and we made it happen. Mm. And the response has been fantastic. And what about um, the notion that the the actual, um, and we can all jump in here, everybody in Gimlet now, have you been able to get out of North Carlton to come and dine at Andrew's place? Um, to my shame, no, I haven't. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to still get safe. you there for, for that. But <laughs> but there was a couple of things I wanted just to uh, bring in, and there's things that I think that maybe mirror your experience and your ethos of cooking and the fact that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel with the food at Gimlet, are you? It's, it's fairly simple food. Simple? Produce-driven. Produce, I, I think um, the word's quality. Yes. Produce and how we handle it. Um, but, you know, you could say honest, but authentic cooking and mm. how it's presented. I think, um, you know, I think 
not everyone wants to go and have that seven or eight course marathon meal. Yeah. In the uh, in the city, there's plenty of places who do that really well. Um, but I think a, a, a gimlet was built around a bar. Yes. And um, it's one of those things. If you put a bar in the middle of a dining room, the ambience and the, I suppose, the collective euphoria of starting with the gin and tonic or a, a martini yeah. creates a very different atmosphere in a restaurant. Yes. So uh, it's 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 you know you spoke about how it looks, but how 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 it makes you feel is probably even more important in this space. You know, we we look at really really successful restaurateurs. You. And you were just alluding to the fact that, you know, jack of all trades, master, you know, of many. <laughs> there you go. I'll, I'll just complete that with, with an affirmative. But you have to know so much. You have to be the master of the, of the spreadsheet. You've got to be um, great with your staff. Um, you've got to have a vision, um, a financial vision. But one of the things is you've also got to be art director as well. You know, and this is getting to, uh, back to the idea of putting soul into a place. Um, Gerald, I think you really, really like Gimlet because it has a nature of that in the fact that there's, it certainly isn't sterile, it certainly isn't corporate, there are no cookie cutter things, but there are lots of really, really beautiful items um, that are in. Uh, Gimlet itself, and um, can you give us an idea, Andrew, of the uh, what went through your mind populating that room? Yeah, it was. I think it's um, one of those uh, similar to what Gerald was speaking about earlier. I think when when I uh, approached Gimlet, I, I usually uh, well, I took what I thought were or were all of the best parts of my experience of training to be a chef and learning to run restaurants mm. and just cherry-picking the things I liked from experiences, my own, you know, learnt experience, but things I've seen around the world. Yes. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a really fun yeah. experience creating that space and building something, but it's, it's not all about me either. It's really about... The team. What's about 80 people now? Yeah. Who, who bring that place to life mm. every day. And what I, what I think, um, Andrew, you've done really successfully over many, many years, um, and in what we try to do a little bit at, um, at Gerald's Bar is that um, you, you, you give the diners choice back. So, like, if you, if you want to come in for a beer and a plate of cheese or, you know, a gimlet and a few oysters, mm. you can do that. Or you can order up the whole menu. Push the boat out. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a, um, a lot more sort of, uh, it's not a restaurant scenario where you book, you sit, you do the three courses, da-da-da. It's like we're giving this a certain amount of um, power back to the diners. Come in, do whatever you want. Yeah, bit mm. of freedom. Spend as much as you want or as little as you want. Meet your friends, have a good time. And the emphasis is very much on that conviviality and that community rather than here's a five-course menu or... Here's some 
Pinchos, for want of a better I word. Think it's, yeah. it's also um, acknowledgement that the dining experience is not just one thing. Like, you know, it's not just, you know, you don't go to a restaurant, even though the food has been lauded as the greatest food in the world, if the service is off or the room is cold or whatever, you're not going to have a good time. And I think that these that's what the success of these places are, is acknowledging that, like, a dining, dining out experience or a drinking out experience is a holistic experience where you kind of want everything in its right place. And it's those, I think, then getting back to your, your um, idea of soul, I think that's where the soul comes in is when people are doing things, you know, they kind of understand that they're, you're there to make people feel better. Yep. And I hate rules. I yes. hate going mm. into a bar and being told, if you sit there, you can only eat this. 100%. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm. What are you talking about? I don't feel like eating that. I want that. Yeah. I don't want that. So it's... it's uh, what you're inferring is a bit of uh, a respect uh, with the customer and to the customer in that, uh, like, you know, there's that hackneyed old thing about the customer is always right and they're not, really. Just so not. No, they're so not. But yet we can, <laughs> on the other hand, we can, we can trust them to give us an idea of, of, of what they want. Yeah? Yes. So what you're sort of saying? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And sort of like, you know, be able to give them a bit of freedom. So it's sort of like give and take as well. It's like, as Gerald was saying, and like why I love Gimlet. It's like, you know, I have um, been to Gimlet and I've propped myself up at the bar and tied one on. I've been mm. in the private room. I've sat up on tables and sort of around. There's sort of different seating areas and every one of them gives you a different aspect. And like, I have to say that, you know, that I really, like my favourite, um, experience there, you're sitting at the bar because you're in the middle of the room, everything's around you, you know, you've got the action of the bar, you've got the kitchen, the semi-open kitchen, you've got yes. the whole room around you, and so it's kind of, it's an experience exciting, it's like, and you feel like you're part of something, and you know, and sort you're, of like... Uh, you're, you're also witness yes. and, to, uh, to what's going on, I think that's, that's a great thing about sitting in a bar. Yeah, and it's not about the everyday, it's not about the grind, it's about being somewhere and feeling better. Mm. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break because uh, Tim says rent must be paid and um, no way I'm going to argue with you, Tim. Got a good panel. We're talking about quality. We're talking about uh, restaurants and we will be back after this. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. Uh, we were talking about the indefinable quantity um, qualities of restaurants, and uh, one was we were saying that uh, you can't manufacture. Uh, soul because it just don't work that way and um, I was thinking of a place that uh, Southside Chicholina mm. is one of those places that uh, yeah Tim's nodding his head there too we're all nodding our heads going hey that place has got soul and sometimes some of the interesting conversations happen when we're off mic and uh, and we were talking about how Americans give us the shits uh, in the f- <laughs> <laughs> there we go sorry no, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth but the difference it's like we're in the Pulp Fiction moment you know there's differences and you know in America you gotta do everything all at the same time um, that was one thing we were talking about service and there is uh, would I be fair in this and intransigence in some places 
from diverting from just a, a common experience or the way that they want things to go. Is that fair? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, Paraphrasing? I think so. Huh? Yeah, to a point. I think, yes. um, I think everyone wants something different when they go to dine in a restaurant. And I think it's up to, I suppose, the front of house staff, your waiter, to, I suppose, read that person, understand, and, you know, give them what they, what they can. Mm. So it's, it's one of those things. You're right. You, you can't manufacture it. You can't can it or bottle it. And you definitely can't fake soul. No. Yeah, but one but, thing you can do is training of staff and of nurturing staff and taking them along with you for the ride. And, uh, uh, Michael, what do you reckon? I mean, these two guys personify that so beautifully. Yes. In the um, McConnell group has so many places and yet I think um, pretty good with looking after your human resource and bringing them up. And Gerald's Bar is a, a manifestation of that, of, the, you know, this is how I would want you to be because, you know, I want you to represent this space. But would you like to... We've only got a few minutes left, which is disappointing, but maybe talk about the importance of of taking your staff along for the journey and to represent you. Well, it's just as you say. It's like... Um the first person that you meet when you walk through the door in any establishment is going to be somebody from front of house. Mm. And you want them to be as welcoming and as diligent as you would be yourself. And, you know, they're, they're, they're the guys at the coalface. So yeah. um, they need to feel ownership. And, um, and that's um, a lot of work. Yeah. It's an investment, isn't it? Huge investment. Yeah. Andrew? Yeah, agreed. You know, it's never-ending. I think um, it's something that's really important and there's not a, enough of it out mm. there. So we do a lot in-house, a lot of training. And um, and it's not just training to make um, our staff work well in our in our venue. It's I suppose it's contributing to not just our venues but the industry as a whole, but more importantly offering an experience and, you know, genuine career development, mm. uh, not just rocking up and slipping out a job. So it is a, it is a real career rather than just, you know, something to do during your gap year or um, to sort of help pay for the uh, uh, the degree or the tertiary education? Absolutely. That's our focus. And I've, I've had 40 years of gap year then, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had a lot. Um, general question, uh, what's in your fridges at home? Um, Gerald, what's in your fridge? <sighs> Mold, <laughs> right? So you don't you don't really need to eat in um, at home because you've got good options at the bar. We um, um, we've been living in Northcote uh, for about three and a half years now, and um, you and Esther, hello Esther, Esther um, my gorgeous wife, and um, we've um, re in re found the Preston Market, and that's where we do most of our shopping. Yes, it's fantastic. Okay, so the, mm. so there is stuff in the in the house, but uh, we like to shop every day. Yeah, Andrew, quickly, we've only got a couple of minutes at, at the moment. Spinach, spinach. Yep. What you doing with that? I usually just cook it simply, but it's really good at the moment. Organic yeah. spinach, really big, heavy, strong English spinach leaves. Yeah. Asparagus, my first bunch of asparagus. Yum. Really delicious. Finally arrived to the Vic Market. Yep. Just to let you know that one. No, Michael? 
I seem to have collected like a shitload of Pecorino Romano cheese for some reason. I think everywhere I go, and I, I see it on the shelf and I go, oh. I want that. And oh. so and I looked in the fridge the other day and I was like, do I really need five blocks of, oh, my, my, of my own, my so, own know, weight. Like, yeah, yeah. But it does make me feel happy and secure that knowing that it's in there. Well, going down the line, uh, Michael, thank you for coming in. I know that you've got to go and see your mum for uh, for birthday after this. Yes. So wish your mum a happy birthday I from will, all of us sure. here. Thank Andrew you. McConnell, thank you so much uh, for coming in. Congratulations on Gimlet. Thanks, and man. also, all the other great places that uh, continue to operate at a very, very amazing high standard. So they should be acknowledged Thanks, too. Man. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 